It's Thursday the 5th of August. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. Tim Gilbert here. Shane Lee, how are you, my friend? Look, I'm doing well, Timmy. I'm loving the Olympics, but I'm also loving a bit of footy as well, mate. And the Knights. This is a huge game for them against the Broncos. There's five teams on 18 points. It's been a Mm. long time between now and when they've had a sip from the Cup of Success. Mate, big time. It's been a long time, as you said, since the Johns brothers dominated and then... Now, they've been owned by mining magnates, and then they've had a raft of coaches in between, mate. So, look, the Knights need a big win tonight against the Broncos and uh, just to try and stay in touch and hopefully sneak into that top eight. The State of Origin jersey, the signed New South Wales State of Origin jersey. You still have a chance. Follow Afternoon Sport on Twitter or Afternoon Sport on Facebook, and you could win the signed New South Wales jersey. A huge show today. Motorsport expert John Thompson after that amazing Hungarian Grand Prix. Jaslyn Hewitt is here with all the tennis from the Olympics, and Peter Hadfield, the decathlon. It's an amazing event. Ten separate disciplines in the decathlon. He was at the Olympic Games twice, and he's going to tell us about what's going on in Tokyo. Afternoon sport. Time to talk tennis and Ash Barty. Well, what can't Ash Barty do? She's won Wimbledon. She now has a bronze medal. Jaslyn Hewitt. uh, uh, And she really looked relaxed and happy. I love that interview with her after the mixed doubles. I know it came in an odd kind of way, but uh, Ash Barty seemed very relaxed. Yeah, and I think it it is something under under a belt now having an Olympic medal. It only happens once in every four, maybe five years as we as we're in now. Or three um, next time. <laughs> yes. No, it's fantastic for her to have an Olympic medal and doubles is is definitely where she's uh done really well with her career. She started off with Casey Delacqua playing uh, doubles and then has launched her singles career, but she she's so talented at net. The volleys, um, her skills are sliced. We, we know how well she plays around the net, and I think uh, having the veteran of John Pierce um, by her side out there, they they just did a fantastic job, but it was kind of an anti-climax when you're supposed mm. to play against Novak Djokovic for the bronze medal, and he's uh, just withdraws. Look, I'm sorry, but like, Novak is a dick. Absolute dick, this guy. Like you can't. He he, he does so so uh, so much good on on the tennis court and inspires a lot of young kids around the world. He's he's a fantastic player. He could go down as one of the greats, but not to show up. Like come on, mate. Well, it was interesting. He's pulled out with a shoulder injury, but if yeah. you watch his match against Pablo Busta for the uh, bronze medal, he's actually cracked his racket against the net post. No wonder you've got a sore shoulder mm. once you've uh, belted the racket into the uh, net post. That uh, vibration. That goes up there is is definitely not going to be good for him. But um, yeah, a bit of an anticlimax for for Ash and John, but they did get the medal in the end. Yeah, I think a few people were joking on social media that he had more of a wrist injury than a shoulder injury. <laughs> Novak. Anyway, um, what 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 about Rafa? He's he's ripped into him a bit. He's basically he's exactly had what Shane's just said there. He said, "Look, come on, guys. Look, you are an amazing. Oh, come on, Novak. You're an amazing player, but you are um, having." you got eyes all around the world looking at you, young ones as well. It, it's definitely, and this is where I think um, Nadal and Federer, Andy Murray, they've always been that um, elegant kind of player that wins. Yes, Andy kind of has his little spit to his uh, box, but I think overall he actually handles himself a lot a lot better on the court, whereas as soon as anything goes against mm. the way that Novak's playing, he actually just loses, loses it. Completely. In his last match, in that um, bronze medal match, he 
threw his racket into the crowd. Um, if you look at the last time that he, he was in that situation, um, he ended up uh, hitting the lines person in the head with the ball. So it's as soon as things aren't going his way, and this is where I think this calibre of player, yes, you're competitive, but you've got to be able to handle your emotions out there, especially with the experience that he's got. It's not like he's a young player coming through and un- unable to handle handle situations. Mm. Now, what about young um, Nick Curious? He's 26. He's intimating that he may retire. I, I really, really hope he doesn't. Um, at 26, look, I know what it was like as an uh, ex-professional sportsman. You go through some dark times, but it doesn't matter how much money you got. you still got to do something when you retire. And I think he'll have a gut full of doing TV and bloody warrior ninja and this sort of stuff. So I hope he doesn't retire. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think what he's struggling with is probably trying to find himself out there. He loves Mm. playing in the big crowds and hopefully that he'll be inspired during this uh, US Open series. And there's some really great events, but... He's, he's come out and said that he's not actually fired up as much as he used to be and he really enjoyed playing if, with that more fiery attitude, getting angry on court because he actually cared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, it's like you've got a child and you take something away from them. If, they, if they're crying and screaming, then they really want that toy. Or, um, but at the moment, he's, just, he's losing the match and it's not really bothering him, which is quite, quite alarming in itself. So hopefully he does find that passion and that love um, and, and more that fight to compete out there. Yeah, it's like Timmy when you take away his dessert and he gets upset. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, yeah, just reading some of the quotes in the media conference post that uh, lost the other day because he, he'd won the title last year and he was saying talking about the competitive edge and, and the fact that I haven't been on tour yeah, I, I, I like you, Jasmine. I really do hope that he reignites through uh, the US Open campaign. And uh, at 26, well, boy, we're seeing these guys do it to 40. He's got so much time left. Yeah, he definitely does. And and the skill level that he can do. So hopefully he just gets a few more matches under his belt. He said he's going to go back out on the training court and try to find that passion and love. And, and hopefully... Yeah, the US is a great place for him to have that. You've got the uh, rah-rah that the Americans bring all the time. The crowds always get behind them. So I think if there's one place that's definitely going to be able to bring that spark back, it, it is in the US in this next series. Get out there and flog Novak. That's what I reckon. <laughs> Good on you, Jazzy. Let's talk soon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, that Hungarian Grand Prix water race. John Thompson, our motorsport man, is here. Follow and subscribe to Sportonomic. Venture with me, Reese Lenarduzzi, and other industry experts and key players beyond the mere headlines and into the depths of sports business, law, economics, and finance. Find Sportonomic on your favourite podcast app now. Sportonomic, sponsored by Athlon Partners. Come find out about the emerging universe of sports capital at athlonpartners.com. Well, there's so much sport about and a lot of motorsport. What about that Hungarian Grand Prix? It had everything last weekend and our man is John Thompson. Tomo, it was quite a race. Exceptional. You know what they say about uh, the recipe for a good motor race? Take 20 cars and 20 of the top drivers and just add water. That's the mm. recipe for a motor race. <laughs> um, you know, it all started with Valtteri Bottas uh, breaking late into the first corner and causing havoc, taking out um, some of the main contenders hitting uh, Lando Norris and uh, Max Verstappen was ended up in that. Daniel Ricciardo, it just, you know, thinned things out. And then 
the amazing thing was uh, Esteban Ocon taking the lead and holding on to it despite incredible pressure from Sebastian Vettel. Um, Lewis Hamilton starting off the grid while everyone else is in the pits changing tyres with the, the restart. Uh, you know, he was on the wrong tyres, stayed out there. He finished up almost dead motherless last and then came through to finish third behind Vettel. Mm-hmm. Then Vettel was flung from the race, disqualified for a fuel irregularity, not having enough fuel in the tank. Then Lewis Hamilton was second. Max Verstappen eked out some points in eighth, but again, Lewis Hamilton has dragged back the points at what is the halfway point in the uh, in the championship. So extraordinary mm. race. And that was um, Ocon's breakthrough win, wasn't it? Yeah, he'd never won before. Obviously, mm. um, you know, he was Daniel Ricciardo's teammate at, at uh, Renault Alpine, if you like, and, uh, you know, never really showed up any performance at all there while Daniel Ricciardo was there. Daniel was outperforming him. Um, boy, the tables have turned. Yeah, poor old Daniel Ricciardo couldn't beat time with a stick at the moment. He's not having a lot of luck. Look, they've repositioned the Australian Grand Prix to April next year. They've also got Bathurst in early November. Um, now, that that's exciting news, John. It is exciting news. Let's hope it, it can go ahead with with people. That's the position or the strategy for them to uh, to move it back because obviously October is going to be potentially no no crowds again or at least a small number of people and so they're hoping that they're going to get full capacity by November they may be a bit optimistic there's also some other issues because the um, TCR the, the two litre touring cars if you like they've got they've got a race on in, in November at Bathurst uh, the Bathurst International and there's also challenge battles where a bunch of rich people go up and race their Ferraris and Lambos and McLarens around Mount Panorama uh, in lap dashes. So it's going to be a crowded agenda at Bathurst in November. And, yeah, let's hope it all comes off. Hey, John, just a quick one. This is a little bit off script here, but um, I was walking in Manly just yesterday and I saw a car with a sticker on the side that said, Shitbox rally. Is, is there such a thing that exists? Or- there is. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few myself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a version of the of the bashes uh, chain, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the broom bash and all that sort of thing. It's a charity event where gotcha. you know, the cost of the car is limited and uh, they've got to try and make them get from uh, somewhere remote to somewhere even even more remote. Yeah, very good. It makes me remember my Sigma when I was in country radio 30 years ago and I couldn't fix the reverse. I didn't have enough money to fix the reverse. So for six months, I had to drive straight, park far enough away from a car or a wall. So uh, an anecdote of life, just keep moving forward. John, all the best with Manly this weekend against Melbourne. Uh, Turbo, uh, this is the acid test for him and the football team. Absolutely. I think probably more the football team than just Turbo, yeah. But um, defence may be the issue, I think. Well, we'll see. They played well. Thanks, John. Thanks for your time, mate. See you, guys. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, a former Olympian. He competed at the same time as the wonderful Daly Thompson in the decathlon. It is Peter Hatfield. Rugby. It's a game they play in heaven. Look out for our podcast, The Running Game, where Matt Dunning joins me, Tim Gilbert. Each week, we speak to players, coaches and legends of the game. We look at the game from every angle at all levels, from test rugby, the club game, city to country and the way it's played at school. The Running Game. Come find us on your podcast app.
Well, one of my favourite sports of all time has got to be the decathlon. Shot put, long jump, high jump, pole vault, javelin, discus, 100 metres, 400 metres, 1500 metres, 110 metres from hurdles from one athlete. And of course, a man that excelled at the decathlon is Peter Hatfield. Two Olympic Games in Moscow and LA. How are you, Pete? I'm very well. Getting a bit twitchy in the middle parts of the decathlon, actually. <laughs> well, mate, I think we've got a bit of a find here in this Ash Malani. He looks, he looks like a, a bit of a superstar of the future. He's an absolute gun, just 21 years of age, um, runs like the wind uh, and mm. uh, can, can jump and uh, is pretty tall as well. So I hope Queensland Rugby League don't try and poach him from athletics. <laughs> but uh, he's in a really good shape at the moment after um, day one of the decathlon. Um, currently in second position, just 81 points uh, behind Damian Warner from, from Canada. Uh, Warner's pretty strong in the second day. Um, so, so to the, um, uh, I guess, the world record holder, and from from France, and uh, that's Kevin Mayer. Uh, but if Ash can now uh, pull it together and, and put out some reasonable performances, I don't think he can win a gold medal, but he can certainly um, be right in the medal hunt for a, you know, maybe a bronze or even a silver. So now he's he's a real talent, and I uh, hope he hope he goes well today. Yeah, absolutely. Six foot five, he's a monster. What about Peter Bowl last night? It was inspirational to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, really courageous performance by him. Uh, 800 metres, uh, he's, he's run you know, an Australian record in the heat and then he's run another Australian record to qualify through the semi-final. Uh, pace was pretty slow uh, in that first lap, so he's decided, well, if I'm going to give myself a chance to win this, uh, I've, I've got to take the lead. So, you know, courageously he took the lead and, and there's some really well-credentialed athletes there. You know, he, he's reasonably experienced, but not that experienced. And uh, just didn't have quite the legs to hang in there. Yeah, to come fourth in a final like that is a remarkable performance. And he was up against two amazing Kenyans, you know, Career and, and Rotich. Uh, so all bodes well. And I think we're putting a lot of pressure on him to win a medal. Uh, it was great for him to get through to the semi-final. Uh, to finish fourth in, a, in an event like that was a, a really remarkable performance by him. He should be really proud and so should the whole country. Yeah, I think we are, mate, very much so. And um, another guy I thought performed really well is Brandon Stark, which is um, the brother of cricketer Mitchell Stark. And and Brandon, he's got to be a future uh, potential medalist, the way he performed. I think he finished fourth. Yeah, I think what they'll be saying is Mitchell Stark is now the brother of Brandon Stark, yes. the way the Aussies are playing at the moment. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, yeah, he, he's actually performed pretty well uh, in Europe and he won the Commonwealth Games. So he's been around for a few few years, but a jump of 235 to finish fifth in the final was was quite amazing. Looks to me as though he's still got plenty of potential. And the gold medal you know, was, was shared really between uh, Bashim from Qatar and, and the Italian Tamberi, just two centimetres ahead of him. So it's, um, it's just as really, really tight. There's not much difference between coming first and you know, coming fifth. So uh, if you can hang in there for another three years and a little a little bit stronger and just you know, make sure he keeps fit and uninjured. Yeah, he's a real chance in three yeah. years' time if he goes through to Paris. Now, uh, Olympic Games in Moscow, uh, you finished fourth behind the great Daly Thompson and, of course, you were there in LA four years later. You, you came up against a gun, didn't you? And I know you took silver behind him in Edmonton as well. Yeah, unfortunately, Daly's career and my career perfectly coincided. <laughs> so, like, like everybody else in the world at the time, I, I finished behind him, but... Uh, yeah, I you know really proud of you know what I was able to do. I was the number one in the country for for ten consecutive years uh, in the decathlon, uh, and you know, a bit of a struggle, I suppose. No support financially, uh, and but and it was really a matter of trying to find training partners in the individual events because there was 
nobody here in Sydney really for me to as a decathlete to, to train with, but I had some really good training partners in you know, the hurdles and the sprints and throws and things like that. Uh, but it, it's a really tough event. And, uh, you know, I was sometimes doing, you know, 30 or 40 hours training a week and mm. I was a full-time high school teacher as well. So, um, yeah, it was lots, lots of time uh, involved, lots, lots of effort, a uh, few injuries here and there, but uh, Look, looking back and, and would you know, never do anything differently again, maybe, maybe improve a few of my performances across the years, but that was, it was good fun and uh, re- really enjoyed it. Proud to represent Australia at two Olympics and two Commonwealth Games. Oh, oh, you did it brilliantly, Pete, and of course commentated for about seven of them. I know you and I worked on a few games together. Great to talk to you and hopefully we'll catch up with you soon on Afternoon Sport. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Timmy. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to Peter Hadfield, John Thompson and Jaslyn Hewitt. And thank you to X-Blades. Yeah, www.xblades.com.au. And the great man himself, our wonderful producer, Mr. Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow with the last day of the week and your daily splash of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.